yeah, it's crazy that we have such a, an amazing bond with our dogs and we don't even speak the same verbal language, um, you know, but there's a, definitely a lot of communication and a lot of relationship building that happens between us and this wonderful dog in our life. Welcome to the With a Dog podcast. We are the podcast for the modern dog parent talking about life with a dog. In this episode, we speak with Trevor of the Doggy Dojo. He tells us all about dog sports, specifically dog agility. You'll learn what agility training is, how to get started, and the relationship building benefits that can come along with doing sports with your dog. Um, all right. Well, it's the end of January, and we said we would keep everyone updated on our dog-related New Year's resolutions. So here's your first update. Okay, so here's the scoop. My New Year's resolution was to get Arthur's um, leash reactivity under control. And in order to do that, I have to bring treats with me. And yeah. I've only remembered to bring the treats with me three times. So that's how that's going. So you don't bring treats on every walk usually? No. Okay because I'm a bad dog parent. I no. can see it in your eyes. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's one of those things. I'm amazed at the fact that you can do that. I can't get Lupin to move unless, like, I can't get him to go the way I want to on the walk unless I have the treats with me. No, but I understand what you mean is, like, when you're used to going out on the walk in a specific way, yeah. and then it's, like, one more thing to add into the, like, I know, you forget I, to grab the treats. Exactly. And so, anyway, I'm, I'm working on it. Working on getting a little pouch and like keeping it with the with the leash at the front door. So yeah. I absolutely cannot forget. Good for you. Yeah. I'm even gonna get one of those where I can put the poop bags in it. How about your personal resolutions? My personal ones. Have you been um, taking your ice shower? So, um again, not all the time. <laughs> but I have been get I've been getting colder. So before I would come out of the shower and I'd be bright red like a lobster because it was that hot. And now I'm at the point where it's like lukewarm. Okay. Um, the only problem is, is the hair. If it's a hair washing day, it has to be warm. Why? Because it sucks if it's not. <laughs> oh, just because it's like. <laughs> it's just too much. Like I have That's so much true. hair, like washing out all the shampoo and stuff. Like I'm just not at the point where I can just dunk my head under cold water yes. for like 10 minutes. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, how about you? Um, yeah, good. The <laughs> Wait, we're only one month in, so you know this is more of just you know to keep everyone updated and yeah, and keep Rome ourselves wasn't built in the in a day exactly keep ourselves kind of accountable and um well so with the loop and stuff I said I'd pay more attention to his aging process it's slow going I think I kind of took a step back and realized I needed to do to get into a routine of just general care stuff. So we've worked on teeth brushing mm -hmm. and ear cleaning on a regular basis, not just when I'm like, ew, your ears smell. Let me clean your ears. <laughs> you know? So so I've been doing that. I've been we've done it like twice in a month. So it's not like it's super regular, but compared to us, you know, doing it sporadically before. So kind of getting more on into that. Um, like once a week, it's on the calendar and everything for both of them. And then for Albie, his car training was my other one. And that's um 
I don't know. I'm definitely thinking about getting some professional help with it. It's not with Lupin. Go lay down. No, go lay down. Go lay down, please. All done. All done. Lupin has decided to move around the studio, everyone, because he heard his name. Hi. Hi, mister. Um, Think about getting professional help because Albie, we've gotten the safety part down. So we've got a little car harness on him. He's not bouncing around the car anymore. He's tethered into a spot. Um, He's also gotten more to the point of like he knows where his spot is in the car and he's gotten, he, he will sit more often. Like you can even see it, you know, when he's getting out of control, he'll put himself into a sit without me telling him, which is great. It's just his vocalizing now. Mm. which is he's a hound dog it makes sense he is vocal yeah. when he's excited just in general whether he's playing like or a good step like a good first step yeah so yeah. It, it's getting there um at least it's safer now the only the vocal thing is just you know when he barks in your ear in a small car a very lo- loud bark and you're you know trying to drive it's that part is not too it's safe annoying. yeah and it's just <laughs> it's so annoying it's just high pitched like yeah ear deafening yeah so um it's going though and then personal resolution wise doing pretty well on it i've kept myself to a a routine on most days yeah which is nice and then on the weekends like i don't know what we were doing all these other weekends pre-january but we've actually had time to do yard work and clean the house we did like a deep clean of the house the other day like deep clean like the kind that you only do like once a year of like we pulled out the dishwasher and scrubbed the sides of it kind of thing and like (laughs) emptied all the filters in the washer dryer like all that kind of stuff um so it's good lay down albie this is why you guys weren't allowed in here you're both annoying arthur's being good guys and you guys are monsters good boy good um so yeah it's going well, I would say. I think, from the sounds of it, I think it's it sounds spectacular. Yeah. I think you're not giving yourself enough credit. I'm a little daunted about the Albi situation, but but perhaps we will need to just bring in a professional to help us a little bit more. Yeah, but even with that, I mean, it sounds like he's he's doing good. I mean, he's not going to be um, the best straight away. It's going to take some time. Yes. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Getting there. Yeah, professional Before, help is always a good thing. We're thinking about getting a new car for Mike's 30th birthday coming up this year. And so I want Albie sorted into yeah. some situation before we get a new car and he yeah. wrecks it. What car so, do you want to get? We want to get the new RAV4. Oh. Yeah. The, the hybrid prime one or whatever. Yeah. I, I don't know. know. I know someone with one of those and they really like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's his, I don't know. It's his... He's been... He's been all about it. It's his little <laughs> birthday gift. I'm just like, sure, I'll keep driving my little, yeah, my What's 99 name? Rav. Paul? Harry. No, Harry. <laughs> Paul. <laughs> my Harry, my car. <laughs> the love of my life. It's, I would never give him up, so it's fine. Anyway. So that, was, that was our update. Yeah, that was our update. We have a stellar interview for you today. Um, we're interviewing Trevor all about dog agility, basically, in dog sports. And you know what? I really liked just learning more about the sport itself because you always, I mean, you see it on, you know, dog shows like Crufts and Westminster and Westminster. Yeah. Is it on there? Do, no, no, I think that's more of a show. It's just Crufts. Yeah. Anyway, see it on dog shows. I don't know much about it, as you can tell. 
Um, so it's just nice to know more about the competition and how it works and how much of a community there is. Yeah. Because I didn't know that that was a thing. No, I didn't. I mean, you would see, I would see a clip on like Instagram or something of a dog doing agility. And that was the extent of what I knew, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And I think he did a great job of explaining what it is, how to get into it. What I really liked um, about what he said is that just he, he wasn't focused on like, oh, it's a sport and like the technicals of it as much, at least when he spoke with us. He was really talked about how great of a bond mm. you get yeah. with your dog through it. And I think that was really special that he he made sure to kind of say that was the best part of it for him. Yeah. And what he really enjoyed was the bond that you can create with your dog. And I know you guys are all thinking about what activities can I do with my dog and, you know, more training things to tire them out. And yeah, <laughs> keep that their they, brains busy. Exactly. Things they can enjoy. So I was I was very happy that we talked to Trevor about this. Even if you're not interested in necessarily doing agility with your dog, like competing, it's still valuable in interview because you can learn just more about dog sports in general and, you know, just training in general too. Yeah. I think um the main thing we learned from it is the fundamentals of dog agility is basic obedience basically mm -hmm. so if you did want to get into it you're probably gonna get a better behaved dog out of it yes yeah for sure and like a better bond with your dog because yeah. you're doing something that you enjoy he said one thing that i really liked it basically he said it it makes you cool to your dog in the <laughs> summary yeah <laughs> like he was like your dog is now focused on you in this moment rather than an activity like a squirrel or chasing a ball or whatever and i thought that was really cool so yeah you guys will hear it a little bit more about trevor also he has over 20 years of experience in training dogs he launched a training program educational platform called doggy dojo he's been invited to speak at the association of professional dog trainers conference three times about his work with kids and dogs also, Trevor and his border collie, Daisy, has made it, have made it to the finals in the AKC Dog Agility Nationals uh, last year, no, 2019. And he's also a certified professional dog trainer and certified canine fitness trainer. So let's get into the interview. Yeah, let's do it. So if you would like to just give the listeners just a bit of an overview of who you are and um, a little bit about yourself and what you do. Awesome. My name is Trevor Smith and I've been trained dogs since I was six years old. My mom is a dog trainer and that's how I got started. And um, actually my first dog that I ran agility in was a Whippet and we would go to agility trials as mom and son. And that kind of where is where my spark or where my beginning of the dog sports came from was with my Whippet Blitzen. And uh, so from that, um, my interest grew and grew, and I started connecting with other trainers that taught the sport, some ones that have won some national and international competitions, and one of those being Jerry Brown, and uh, we started up a training academy called DePaul Dog Sports, and that's when things just really took off, and it really showed me that there's more to do with your dog than just take your dog for a walk around the block or to the park, which are fantastic activities. Don't get me wrong there that, you know, taking your dog and doing anything and having fun with them is always really great and giving them activities, both mental and physical enrichment. But there's just something that I found really uh, 
interesting when it comes to running a dog sport with your dog, uh, whether it be dog agility, dog diving, barn hunt, um, just that connection and training towards something together and training towards some com combined goals together just really does something with your relationship with your dog. And I find my relationship with my dog has definitely been improved from doing dog sports with, with, my, with them. That's awesome. I did not know that you started so young with all of this. Like you were very yeah. much grandfathered into it. You, I think so many people learn about dog behavior when they're older, when they become a dog parent themselves, not, you know, when they're a kid. It sounds like, I, I mean, having a mom for a dog trainer, would. I think that'd be really cool. <laughs> I think so too. Or having a dog trainer for a mom. There we go. Yeah, dog <laughs> trainer for a mom. <laughs> so you said you got exposed to dog sports at a young age, what are dog sports exactly? Great question. Uh, the, the dog sports um, vary. There's so many out there. Um, a lot of people probably, when they see or in, first um, get introduced to dog sports, they see them on television, whether it be Crufts or um, the national competitions of dog agility and things like that. But people have to realize that the, these sports that you see are people working on these sports and performing with their dogs. They've been working for years years with their dogs to get to that level and i think it's a bit intimidating and i think that people see um things like the dog agility where they run through the obstacle courses and they think to myself i can't get my dog to come and call 20 feet off leash how am i going to get them to go through 20 <laughs> obstacles and then like stay with me at the very end and it's very intimidating but it's interesting because i see this all the time that actually you get more off-leash control sometimes by introducing a sport like dog agility to your dog. Of course, coming in with a good amount of off-leash control, a good come when called, a good off-leash walk at your side or focus does tremendous benefits in, in the foundational learning process and makes it easier. But I've also seen that the dogs, when they are let off-leash, they go through the tunnel and they come out the other side of the tunnel and they get reinforcement from you. They start to realize that, oh, you're fun and doing things with you is, is really fun on leash and off the leash. Because a lot of times when you take a dog off leash, the most fun thing in the environment isn't necessarily you. It's like chasing birds, chasing mm -hmm. squirrels and all <laughs> that stuff. So they, they get so much um, enrichment and fun from being detached and away from you that agility kind of flips that. And it shows the dog that, hey, if you follow me around this course, I'm going to find, I'm, we're going to get reinforcement. We're going to have fun and it's going to be a great time. And dogs just love it. Um, and it's a great, it's a great opportunity for a lot of people to do something else with their dog and get that relationship with their dog on and off the leash that they're looking for. That's so interesting that just everything that you just said there, because I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with is kind of the off leash stuff. I know that, you know, when Arthur sees a squirrel, that's end of like he wants to go for that squirrel but I think it also reinforces the human to get out there and to do more and you know to be like a level to level up their dog parenting um and really create that bond I mean you do have an initial bond with any dog I think once they're in your household but I don't think people know the extent to which that bond can go and it sounds like agility can be one of those tools to do that. 100%. Uh, it definitely is something that, um, as we know with our dogs and they have figured out that physical enrichment is so important. You know, you can give your dog some physical ex exercise is so important. 
But they have also recently, you know, in studies have found that mental enrichment and mental exercise can actually be more tiring and more exhausting than physical exercise. You take that thought and you go, and, you, and the dogs are learning whether it be tricks, whether learning to go um, hunt a rat, uh, whether it be to go hunt a rat and the barn hunt um, or go do agility. Um, they're not only getting some physical exercise by doing this, but they're also using their brain a lot. And that's why dogs tend to, when you go take your dog to a training class for that six week period, it may, you may see a, a tremendous amount of progress with your dog because they're getting so much physical and mental enrichment. And then at the end of the six weeks, you're like, okay, now what, you know, I've been having this such a great time and my dog seems like we're making a lot of progress and we've learned how to sit and we learn how to come when called and we learn how to stay. What can I do with these skills other than go to the park? And agility are, um, is a great opportunity to use more um, of those skills, but then also learn new skills with your dog. So how do you start agility, I guess? Because as you said, people see people may be a little bit nervous because they see the professionals out there doing all of the tricks and their dogs, you know, are on different pieces of equipment and all of that. So I can't even envision my dog doing that. So what are like the beginner steps? Like what do you learn in a beginner agility class? I, the, it's interestingly enough, there's a lot of more advanced obedience skills involved in the foundational process than you think. Of course, teaching your dog how to get onto the equipment is great. And you can do some basic equipment in your own backyard. So you can get a jump, you can get a tunnel and get some leap poles and the co major co contact equipment, like going over the A-frame or the dog walk, those are more expensive obstacles to buy and a little bit harder to put in your own little backyard. But a lot of those can be learned pretty quickly. And it's more the foundational stuff of teaching your dog to do a stay and then what's called a call to heel, which you can teach your dog to basically value being at your side, which works tremendous benefits into loose leash and off leash walking behaviors as well. But one of the things that I would look into in getting started is I do find that one of the primary people that I've learned and studied from online for those that are interested is Susan Garrett. Um, she has some wonderful training programs um, and with Agility360, Puppy Peaks, Recallers that can get you started. Some of the stuff you can learn in foundational dog agility doesn't have to require you to be with equipment. Okay. So you would say that people can just even start in their backyard, wherever they have the space initially, yeah. and then yes. look up, as you said, Susan Garrett, um, maybe some other tips, watch your Instagram and videos and stuff like that, maybe. <laughs> and um, I do have a, a, a series of YouTube videos um, dedicated to building foundations and dog agility. And I'll be getting more of those over the next year. So that's going to be a great place to start, you know, looking there. Brilliant. And then, so can any dog do agility or are there breeds that are excluded or breeds that do better than others? Yeah. In, I would, I would have to speak directly from the United States and America that there, there isn't no specific breed exclusions. Um, in other countries, there's some some requirements um, that, you know, some dogs, you know, can't have like crop tails and things like that. Um, but the in America, there is definitely no restrictions. Um, anything from a Papillon, which is one of the most fantastic agility breeds out there, um, which are like little dogs, like with long ears and <laughs> stuff like that. <clears throat> you would never think that they'd be agility dogs, but they're fantastic. Um, to hound dogs, to terriers, all of them do really, really great. 
I find the dogs that struggle the most, but there's plenty of videos out there that them of dogs doing this are bigger breeds, like Great Danes, Mastiffs. Bigger breeds have a lot more problems um, because it takes um, it takes a lot to get the dog into the tunnel and duck into the tunnel and to have balance on top of dog walk. Just to back up before we get more in depth, can you give us a definition of what agility is just in case there's anyone who's like i don't even know what they're talking about is like as far as the equipment the different competition the different levels all that love it yeah so dog agility um, is a dog sport that requires you and your dog to go through a series of obstacles like jumps tunnels a-frame there are different levels in the beginning stages um there's for for instance American Kennel Club has the novice level, then the open level, then excellent level, then the excellent level, and then the master's level. And each level has different um, qualification. Um, that each level has different qualifications. And like novice, for instance, your dog can do what's called a refusal, where they can bypass an obstacle and then you can turn them around and send them back over the obstacle. Where in master's level, if they bypass a, the order of the obstacles, because all the obstacles are in order. So like one through 15 or one through 20, if they go from obstacle two to obstacle five and don't do three and four, then they would be faulted out and they wouldn't be able to qualify um, in the run. Now in novice level, if they pa- bypass those obstacles, as long as you get them turned around and back over obstacles three and four and on to five, then the dog is clear and they can qualify and they can move up uh, what's called a leg. Now, once you get three legs in novice and three legs in open and three legs in excellent, you move up to the next class. Um, so after the dog completes three clean runs, it's called an agility, three, three clean novice runs, they'll move into open class. And once they finish clean, three clean open runs, they'll move into excellent class and so forth. And once you get into masters, that's when you can start qualifying for things like national competitions and invitationals. Wow. Just like thinking about it is exciting. It's like Mm -hmm. you're helping your dog achieve these amazing things. Do they know that they're achieving these amazing goals and like winning these competitions? I don't know, but it's cool (laughs) to think about. (laughs) Interestingly enough, some dogs get it. And uh, it's really apparent because they see how you are feeling, which is important because it can go both ways. So when you're running obstacles when you're running dog agility and you have a fantastic run they'll see you excited and some dogs are actually even love the crowd applauding and 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 cheering and they get excited about that you'll see the dogs like brighten up like yeah i did a good job (laughs) where um they also see the opposite if you make a mistake and you get sad and down on yourself the dog will be like oh man we made a mistake (laughs) (laughs) so you have to be very very careful but you learn a lot from these things and it's a really great opportunity for the dog to learn a lot from you and it's a great opportunity for you to learn a lot as as a competitor and it's actually really great too because there's actually some people I was talking about this being a sport for people that necessarily weren't into basketball or football but I mean if you were a competitor and you like missed those days growing up and playing games and winning championships and things like that, gosh, like dog sports are awesome. This is like just right up your alley. Cause it's like, man, I wish I could go back to the good old <laughs> days and play my high school football. Well, if you go and do agility with your dog, I guarantee you, you're going to have 
just as much fun, if not more, because you're doing this with, you know, your best friend, your dog. So it's really an awesome opportunity. Are there any dogs that um, are too old or too young to do agility? I'm so glad you asked that question because there is an age limit. Now, every um, organization, there's multiples like AKC, USDAA, UKI, they all, um, there's so many different ones out there. Um, they all have a certain age limit that you have to, your dog has to have. And one of them being like 15 months old, your dog has to be 15 months old before they can actually compete, but you can start, start training your dog as a puppy on the foundations, what we call flat work, where they're not actually on equipment. They're just learning how to move and run with you. And they can do like little things. They can actually do like the tunnel because, you know, that's flat on the ground. Um, but when they get older, um, once they start getting to the point where their bones are finished growing and their muscles are kind of finished developing, then that's when you can start doing some really major training into getting into competitions. Now, older it's cool because the fact is my most um, experienced dog daisy the border collie she is 13 now and she's phenomenally doing so good like it, we i've seen other dogs that are 13 and at that age and because she's had so much opportunity to get her physical health go keep going so much opportunity in dog agility to maintain her physical health and maintain her mental health she does not look like she's 13. And when people ask how old is she is, because they can see that she's a bit older, they go, I tell her 13, that she's 13. And they go, wow, she's moving so great. And I've seen that. I've seen if you do this right and you don't push your dog too early at a younger age and you uh, treat them nicely throughout the course, your dog will actually most likely have a longer lifespan and it will help them with longevity because you're mentally and physically enriching them uh, with this sport. And so how do you take care of their whole self? Um, like what, what does that look like? That's an interesting journey for myself because going into the sport and seeing how the sport's evolving, I noticed that there needed to be um, a way to keep my dog's body condition at its peak. And so I actually went to the University of Tennessee and got my certification as a certified canine fitness trainer. Um, cause there's a, that's actually something that's growing a lot more and you're going to buy see as dog owners, this being developed into different training classes that you'll be taking, but canine fitness helps them, um, build their strength, their balance, their flexibility and keeping them in shape and ready to go. I actually started this journey because my dog Daisy, I was just mentioning, she started knocking bars and having a really hard time recovering after her runs and getting started. And so I started studying canine fitness and really noticed that she started to actually get better. She started to get faster runs. She stopped knocking bars because I would do these physical exercises with her. We call them like sometimes like puppy push-ups or leg weaves or bouncing on different wobbly objects. And she now has done much better in dog agility because of that. Um, of course, nutrition is important too. You can also get some supplements and things like that to keep, um, you know, the recovery time um, help them to be faster and, uh, help them to feel better. And then making sure that their, um, joints aren't all getting too stiff or anything like that. So I just had an image in my head of, I know it's not like this, but it was cute of all of these dogs in like little sweatbands and <laughs> like little leg warmers, yes. just like pumping 
their legs up and down. Left. Yeah, and right. Yes. In the class in his spandex. Yeah. <laughs> Shake those voice. tails, dog. Shake them. <laughs> um, okay. Well, speaking of then, is there a risk for injury then in agility? Yes. And what do you, what do you do to mitigate that? So, yeah. So, um, good question. I think best things to mitigate injuries with your dogs is one is before you run your dog, I typically uh, will walk my dog around the arena or somewhere for about five to 10 minutes to give them a good, what's called warm up. After they finish their run, then I do something similar, but on the reverse where I kind of cool them down. I don't just put them straight to the crate. So I don't take them straight out of their crate and push them into the ring. And I don't take them out of the ring and put them back into their crate um, because they need to warm up and cool down. Um, and then also just making sure to, um, you know, if you're, if you're working your dog, um, multiple, um, days of the week in agility classes, and then you're competing three days a, a week, um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in a competition, and you keep that schedule up too much, that can also cause some problems too. So make sure you add in good, what we call rest days. The rest days don't have to be where your dog just sleeps all day, but it can. Um, but the, you know, just making sure you have some days where they can just relax and have activity and not all dogs will do that so speaking of which i'm not sure how much we're going to go into detail about this but my dog yoshi currently is going through some recovery right now uh, but he's a border collie and he doesn't know how to rest and so one of the things happened was he injured one of his pads just running around playing and then he put too much weight and pressure on the opposite shoulder and the shoulder had some injuries just because he was putting more weight on that left hand that that left shoulder that actually started to cause some some problems for him. So right now he's um, getting some good physical therapy at the vet. And then he's also getting, um, he's getting, doing some PT workouts and things like that. So just, this is a sport, you know, this is one of those things where if you ever played sports, if you're, you know, if, you know, before, you know, injuries happen and they don't always, um, because you did something, it's not always because you did something wrong. It's just that, um, that it just happens and then the dogs need, um, time to recover and you have to accept that. So like right now I've taken Yoshi totally off of doing any dog agility for the next few months. And that's just because it's just part of the process. I don't want him to, like we talked about, I want him running until he's 13 years old if he wants to. Um, and I don't want to push him to a point where he can't run anymore at the age of eight mm -hmm. years old. So that's very important to kind of just keep an eye on your dog. And so there's, so there's, there's definitely minor risk of injury. What's cool about the obstacles themselves is a lot of them are designed that if a dog were to run into it, they wouldn't be injured um, very easily. Um, and even so to the point like leap poles, for instance, um, have a, a, a good amount of breaking point that the, the weed pole itself will break before the dog breaks. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's one of those things that is conscious in the designing of this equipment that, um, we try our best to keep it as safe as possible for the dog. For instance, too, uh, there's uh, contact equipment, that, like the A-frame. The dog has to hit certain points on the equipment in order to keep it safe. Because when the A-frame is at five foot tall, if the dog jumps off of a five foot tall A-frame right off the top of it, it could definitely injure the dog. So they actually, in order to qualify in the run, you have to make sure your dog hits uh, what these called contact zones, like these little yellow sections on the A-frame. Um, otherwise you'll get a fault and you'll be disqualified from your run in order to keep the dog safety up. Okay. That was, that was going to be my question because 
I can see my dog Albus, very athletic. I could definitely see him doing agility and really enjoying it. Um, but he would totally just like yeet himself off of the equipment. Like, he would just be like, oh, there's another dog over there. See ya. And just like, and I could just sit. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, okay. <Neat. laughs> yeah. <laughs> just be like, see ya. And just like yeah. leap off of it, shake himself off as he's limping probably and <laughs> keep on going. Right. So, um, okay. So that's good to know is that the equipment itself is designed for the safety of the sport. Speaking more of injury, um, you you mentioned that there aren't any breeds that can't do agility necessarily, but what about the breeds that are like bulldogs, corgis, dachshunds, mm. you know, maybe just like a different shape and maybe has spine, you know, concerns. What do you guys do about those type of breeds? So important. Actually, I run a French bulldog and a corgi. Um, <laughs> so that's you, you came to the right person to ask this stuff. You do have to be aware of that. Um, there, there is um, a couple different ways to approach what they call those contact zones. So some people will teach their dogs to stop inside the contact zone and other people will teach the dog to run through the contact zone. So each, both, both ways you teach the dog to touch the yellow part of the contact. Um, but with the stopping that puts more pressure on the shoulders in the back. And so a lot of times for me, um, for my French bulldogs and my corgis that I run, I have them do what's called running, um, A-frames or running contacts. So that way the dog, um, just at their own leisure pace runs through the contact zone without stopping and, um, injuring themselves in any way. Um, you know, the, talking about yeeting, you have to make sure that when they they actually do touch the yellow and they don't eat themselves off the five foot A-frame. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those things that you have to be aware of. Um, and, but yeah, the, the, what's cool also is that the, every breed has, um, actually I should say they have different height classes for all the dogs. So they actually, for the smaller dogs have like an eight inch or four inch class. And then for the bigger dogs, they have like a 20 or 24 inch class where the dog has to jump that high or that low and they measure it by what's called the withers or the top of the shoulder blades to the down to the um to the ground and that um lets them know and lets people um choose um, or not choose but actually get their dog into the right jump height and safety for their dog mm -hmm. now um there are um certain times when dogs don't measure into the height that you'd like them to and it's best to do what's called the preferred class. And you can actually request to be in the preferred class versus the champion class. And you can run your dog one jump height down. And so that way, if you feel like that, that jump height that your dog's jumping at is not safe for them or sustainable for the long run, have them jump lower. Um, and there's different things that you can or cannot do because you're in preferred class. Um, but it's not much different. And you can still get a lot of great titles and have a lot of fun and you can still win first place prizes and things like that. And so I have a question. It's more of a curiosity, really. Um, do you have pet insurance for your dogs? I do, and especially my sport dogs. I was going to ask if it covered uh, an injury, if it occurred in a competition or anything like that. I didn't know if it, you would need a different type of insurance for that. Hopefully no pet insurance companies are listening to this right now, but mine, <laughs> mine does. Um, uh, there is no like, some, there, there's nothing in our contract that talks about if you do dog sports, you are more liable for whatever. Um, I'm sure that will be a thing because I do believe that dog sports are here to stay and they've been here for a while. 
agility started really going and hitting off in the 90s and look where it is now um and so there are all these other dog sports that are coming up um that are getting more popularized um you're gonna see more of them yeah and i think i i this is my little theory as a dog trainer growing up since uh from six years old to 30 years old now and seeing the transition we've taken the dog from the backyard dog to being these wonderful family members inside of our house and i think the next natural progression is people are wanting to do stuff with this new family member and I think dog sports is what's going to be coming around. So I think over the next 20 years, people are going to be doing lots and lots of more dog sports and wanting to do more activities designed specifically for their dog. I, and so that's what's so exciting to me. And that's why I love being on this podcast is that the fact is that um, we can make sure that we're um, doing everything we can and want to with our dogs. And it's great to get that basic obedience certificate. And it's awesome. And anybody that can go and take classes with their dogs, I think are fantastic. And they, you know, that's just really fun. But then also going to these competitions and getting um, like one of our dogs, Inya, you know, she went to inter- invitationals and not only did she get ribbons for getting, for getting clean runs in her competition, but she came home with a trophy and a medal. <laughs> and so it's really fun to have that happen those little moments and doing that together with your dog. The trophy and medal, of course, is more important, more valuable to me, but I think that the journey that you experience with your dog to get to that point is what's most valuable to the dog. Yeah. And that's something that is, that's yours to share with your dog. And it's, I think that's something so valuable because I, that's not something that you often have with your dog is something that you both have together and that something that you've worked towards together. Um, It's really only your obedience training is what you work on together. And so to have right. something physical that you can hold and be like, we did this, like me and this yeah. thing, this entity that doesn't speak English, <laughs> we Indeed. accomplished this together. And I think that's an amazing feat for a lot of people to do. Uh, I, I, You're right on the money there. It's just so cool. I think we do not deserve our dogs. Uh, you know, the fact is that dogs are incredible. Yeah, it's crazy that we have such a an amazing bond with our dogs and we don't even speak the same verbal language, mm-hmm. um, you know, but there's a, definitely a lot of communication and a lot of relationship building that happens between us and this wonderful dog in our life. I think you really hit the nail on the head with wanting to do more with your dog over, you know, that's like the next generation. And that's, I mean, that is literally the title of the podcast with the dog. You know, that was our, that was our premise too, is, you know, we are the modern dog parent. We want to take our dogs places with us. We want to travel with them and um, go to, you know, pubs and restaurants and bars with them. And we also want to go on a hike and we want to do agility and we want this, you know, really great relationship with the dog. And so I think, I think we're always looking for what the next cool thing is that you can do with a dog. And I think, you know, I didn't realize, but agility definitely sounds like, <laughs> you know, def- or dog sports in general, maybe, you know, on the horizon. Yeah. And I don't want to downplay people that just go on hikes or go on walks with dogs. I think any activity you do with your dog is real important. And it's really great to do stuff with your dog. Um, I just, it's unexplainable to me to be able to just explain the feeling and the difference of running a sport with your dog until you do it. So I really recommend people just try it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's, there's just something about that because uh, you go through these hills and valleys together with your dog and that, that is just bonding. If you do that with people, you, you grow, right? So when you go through something with somebody, whether it be, um, at work or recreational sport or something like that, when you go through these highs and these lows and you work hard together and you practice and you train and you achieve something together, that experience bonds you with people. And it also bonds you with your dog. So I think that when people are looking to take your dog, like you're saying, to the next level and increase their bond with their dog, I have no doubt in saying that dog agility can definitely take you there. I I can definitely speak to that personally with my dog Lupin. He and I have been together through so much, not even, you know, necessarily the fun stuff like the dog sports, but more of the, you know, international move and back. He's traveled on the train. He's gone to work with me every day. And and there were a lot of hurdles to go through to get him comfortable with those changes. And it definitely brought us closer. And, um, and I do feel that relationship with him. But I would love for it to be through something maybe a little bit more enjoyable for him, <laughs> not me just putting <laughs> him through constant <laughs> trials and tribulations. Um, yeah. If someone maybe wants to do dog sports with their dog, but maybe agility for whatever reason isn't an option for them. What are other types of dog sports that you can recommend or just tell us about briefly? Yeah. No, I, I'll be very brief with these. I think that some people say, you know what? I can't run around with my dog like that. That's just not going to happen. Or like you think my dog's not going to have necessarily the focus to do all that. I think a really great sport. We're talking about dog and ages. Like it, a lot of a dog agility um, dogs like when they go to retire the next sport that they actually run into even is nose work um, and basically it's a, a sport where you teach dogs to find scents um, so that's that's a really good one to get into another great sport if you have a super athletic I mean you can do nose work when your dog is also young and sprightly too it's super fun and basically it's all about the dog and teaching the dog to just find um, the sense. And so the dog's kind of in control of where to go. It's really kind of uh, real interesting to kind of do that. Same thing with barn hunt. Um, if your dog, if that is a bit more athletic and wants to do something, what maybe agility is just uh, not necessarily something you can do physically. There's also things like dog diving where you teach dogs to long jump into the water and see how far they can jump into a pool of water. So if you have a dog that loves water, that's an awesome sport and that's growing. Um, another one, um, that's athletic that I'm actually going to this weekend is called fast cat. No, it's the word cat just throws you off, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, based off of lure coursing, but instead of the dogs having to turn tightly on a big old open field, it's just one straight sprint across the field with the dog. Um, and the, and it's all seeing how fast your dog can run down and it's, um, basically um seeing how how many miles per hour your dog can actually run which is pretty cool is, <laughs> like to see i would love to do that because i swear author is the fastest corgi that <laughs> the world has to offer and i'm not just saying that because he's my dog but he sure. is I, maybe i am a little bit but <laughs> when we're at the dog park he keeps up with the really big dogs and I'm, mm -hmm. everyone is always like, oh my gosh, your dog is so quick. And I'm like, I know, it's crazy. And I even try and sprint and I'll like, Chase will hold him at one end of the field and I'll start running to the other end. And he's caught up with me in like a second. <laughs> Maybe because I'm just slow, but <laughs> I swear we're going to break some records. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would definitely like look up and see if you have any area because it's great. My, um, I'm actually 
getting to launch two corgis tomorrow. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm really excited about that. Um, they, speaking of corgis, the number one corgi, um, or actually the number one eight inch dog and dog agility right now is a corgi. Um, yes. and so it won, um, the invitational competition, um, back in December he- here in the States, um, in Orlando, Florida. So it's, um, yeah, so it was super cool to see that, um, yeah. you know, usually it's a different dog, um, at that, you know, different breeds like that, but this Corgi was fast. So, um, I have no doubt that your <laughs> Corgi can only do dog agility, but have a fantastic time fast cat. I would have to say I'm not quite sure if my Frenchies love fast cat more or dog agility more on the fact that my Frenchies scream when they're about to be launched for fast cat. So they just love <laughs> the sport. So if your dog loves to chase squirrels and loves to just run really fast and loves to run a straight line, they definitely check it out. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and that doesn't take any athletic ability depending on where you're working. Like the places we do do fast cat, they they, they hold the dog on one side and then they cart you to the other side in a golf cart. So, I mean, <laughs> you, don't, you don't even have to worry about running with your dog at all with this. So it's just uh, calling your dog to you. So it's really fun. Um, final question, just to round out the agility uh, topic. Is there, what is the cost associated with doing agility if you're going into an actual training place with the equipment and all yeah. of that? I would say that there is definitely an investment that has to be made into the sport. So um, I would say on average, you're looking at between $25 to $30 per run. And you could be running um, anywhere from two to four times a day. And then so on a weekend, you could be running, you know, anywhere from four to six times. Um, so it's like, so it's definitely have to think about that. Uh, when you start getting some of these achievements, definitely makes it definitely more worth it because you're like, <laughs> I got this ribbon and it, and it not only cost me time and effort and energy, but it cost me some money to get this ribbon. People don't do it for the money. And I get that question all the time. It's like, can you win prizes and can you win money and was like that? Um, I think that actually builds a lot of purity into the sport because people aren't doing it for the money. They're just doing it to have fun with their dog. Um, So um, when you do win competitions at the invitational national level, you can get, you know, cash prizes, which is cool. Um, But um, overall, it it can cost a bit. And then the the weekly and monthly training that you do to to get your dog skills more and more improved through sport. So um, that, that, that can take some money outside. And that's what's really cool probably for if you're looking to maybe look for a less expensive sport um, with a little bit less investment, like fast cat, dock diving, um, like those two sports right there. If you especially love to water, but with fast cat, I mean, you don't have to really do much training with that. It's just go run your dog. <laughs> like, so, that, you know, that there is no fast cat dog training classes in my area. <laughs> like, like you don't have to go teach your dog how to play fast cat. Most dogs just pick it up right away. So um, that can be really something to think about and consider is it does take, um, you know, a good, a bit of financial investment to um, get into dog agility. Um, it's probably one of the more expensive dog sports to get into, including getting equipment in your own backyard. If you want to get really serious with it. Yeah. I think that, I mean, that makes sense. As you said, it's a sport and it's going to, you're going to need to mm-hmm. invest your money and your time. But you also said that it's very, um, it's a great exercise for them mentally and physically. So if you're already sending yeah. your dog to a doggy daycare or paying for a dog walker every day, then this would potentially replace that kind of tiring them out. So it yeah. does for my dogs. Um, none of my dogs, I'm lucky enough to be a dog trainer for one, but 
none of my dogs go to um, take care. Um, and, but it's because we do these activities and I go to classes three to four times a week with my dogs, but that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I know a lot of other people that do the same. Uh, one of my other, um, best friends in, in this area, um, they, they, they're in the same classes with me three times a week. <laughs> so, and they, they're not a dog trainer. They're, they're an accountant. So, <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Well, I, this has been such a great conversation, Trevor. I've learned so much. Um, you know, maybe, maybe we'll try agility with. Oh my gosh, we can do a duo class. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Albie and Arthur are very good friends. So. Oh my gosh. It you would know, be... if, we, if they got really good, I wonder if they could do it in sync, like Arthur being below Lupin. Um, Albie. Albie <laughs> would definitely That'd step be really on funny. him. <laughs> Lupin would just be like, there oh, is, no. Yeah. <laughs> there is, interestingly enough, in USDAA, uh, there is a, a game called Pairs where you take each one of you take a half of a course. So you guys could go out there together with your dogs and one dog runs one half and then the other dog runs the other half. Yes. And then you went and she together as friends. So <laughs> that's so, so that's great. Cool thing. We need to do this. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm waiting for his <laughs> DNA test back because Albie, we, we think he's a coonhound mix, but there's something else in there that just makes him very alert mm. and athletic, more so than my other hound or other hounds that I've met who are, probably more would lend themselves more to the the scent work or something like that. Um, Anyway, yeah, as I said, learned so much. If people want to follow you, watch your videos, connect with you, where can they find you, Trevor? Yeah, definitely check out my website, thedoggydojo.com. And um, you can check out all my relevant links on there, whether it be YouTube or Instagram or anything like that. And my my spelling of Doggy Dojo is D-O-G-G-I-E and then D-O-J-O. I know it can be sometimes hard to spell. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so if you go to The Doggy Dojo, uh, whether it be on Instagram, Facebook um, or anything like that, you'll definitely find me. Um, but my website has it all right there, including my, including my own podcast. So, <laughs> so it's great. And you can find us at With the Dog Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, Clubhouse, and our Facebook group is called I'm With the Dog. And also, if you've listened this far, then we hope you enjoyed the show. If you could give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, it would be much appreciated. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 All content on With a Dog Podcast is for informational purposes only and should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist.